0: If you have your Bibles, we want to look in first, second Peter, I'm sorry. Second Peter chapter one. we we'll to look in these first four verses for a few moments today and, and with a thought, Jesus, <laughs> he's worthy of our devotion. And do you believe that today? You believe he's worthy of our devotion? Oh, if you don't believe that, I I, I want you to get to a, a cross, the cross of Calvary, and get to know him. Because if you know him, you know he's worthy. He's worthy of all our devotion. Second Peter chapter one verses one through four. Now, many of you remember the movie Greece. <laughs> All ages should remember that movie. Uh, This movie centers around a a nice girl, Sandy, played by Olivia Newton-John. Now, I'm not talking about Glee's version. I'm talking about the original version. (laughs) Uh, It was also centered around a greaser named Danny, played by John Travolta. That was back when he was in shape. That was back when he was a young man. He had plenty of hair. He, he was a ladies man. <laughs> you know, the, the the movie centers around these two, they had met over summer break and their senior year of high school at Rydell High School was approaching and And at the end of the summer, they thought, they didn't think they'd ever see each other again. Danny's telling his friends about this girl he met and he embellishes a little bit in the story and then... She's telling some girls about this guy she met. And and when they begin to figure out who it is, they begin to wonder, oh, you just don't know the Danny we know. You remember that in the story? <laughs> you know, something has changed. Something happened in this story. Something happened with Sandy's life to where she ends up at Rydell High School. And with this, they're in their senior year, Danny's certain reputation that he had, this nice girl image that Sandy had, just wasn't going to fit in. So Danny's conflicted. He, he is really smitten over, y'all like that word, he's really smitten over this girl. But he also doesn't want his reputation damaged. Girls, there's a lot of foolish guys like that in the world, aren't they? There's a lot of guys like that around school who, who they, they really know what's good, but they don't want to damage their reputation and they take off for something that's not what God intended for them to have. Yeah. Well, maybe it's at that point that God doesn't intend for you to have him. Let him go. Let him go. Here's Sandy. She is... She doesn't quite understand why he's acting the way he's acting, but she, she sees through his facade. She sees through this game he's trying to play. But what we see in this, in this movie at this certain point, we see her out on the porch singing a song. And as she's singing this song, she's declaring her devotion to him, even though her heart is broken. The words of the song go like this. Guess, mine is not the first heartbreak. My eyes have not, are not the first to cry. I'm not the first to know there's just no getting over you. I know I'm just a fool who's willing to sit around and wait for you. But baby, can't you see there's nothing else? for me to do I'm hopelessly devoted to you now (laughs) you and I who are parents and grandparents here if it was our daughter being rejected by someone that she especially someone she's not married to uh we wouldn't we would not and make sure you understand, I know when I say wouldn't, it doesn't always seem that way, but we would not encourage her to be devoted to this kind of man. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, some of us, you don't know how to raise your hand. You don't know how to say amen. But even if they're married and we see our little girls being rejected, neglected, and abused, we'll tell them you don't have to be devoted to this man even though it may be her husband. We'll find that that's how we are when it comes to our children. But I want to remind us, while there are men and women in this world who don't come close to deserving our devotion, there is one who is worthy of our devotion. He not only left heaven to come to earth, but he gave his life so that our sins could be forgiven. He arose from the grave of death, conquering death, hell, and the grave so that we would have hope. He sent his Holy Spirit to dwell with us, to comfort and to teach us. And he left the promise that he's gonna return and so that we can dwell in the house of the Lord for all eternity. And his name is Jesus and he's worthy of our devotion. You know, as we look in the text this morning, what we'll notice is the devotion that Peter has for his Savior. And we, those of us who have received Jesus Christ as our our personal Savior, we should be just as devoted as Peter describes in this passage. When we look here, the Bible tells us in verses 1 through 4 in 2 Peter of chapter 1, he says, Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have atta- obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power this is God's word. God's word for us. God, we just thank you for this day you've given us. We thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for your presence that is here today not only what we feel inside of us but what we feel moving around among us God we just thank you for being here and we pray that as you're here you'll help us to continue to worship you in spirit and in truth that we'll continue God to help us to surrender ourselves to you and devote this moment, this time and our lives to you and God if there's any that doesn't know you help them God to surrender their life to you And God will praise you for everything that you do. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. When we look here in Second Peter, we must take notice of the difference from this letter and his first letter. Now his first letter focuses on the problems that Christians would face from the outside of the church. Those who weren't Christians. When we, read, when we preach through, and we talk through, and even Bible study, when we went through, or the winter Bible study a few years ago, when we went through First Peter, we found that, that as believers, we needed to be encouraged because we're living in a secular world who wants nothing to do with us and wants nothing to do with our Lord. So, 1 Peter, we get all of that encouragement in here. In in 2 Peter, we get encouragement as we're going to face struggles within the church. Now, the primary problem with the church or the churches that would receive this letter that Peter is, is going to send out is the... Is that of false teachings and Peter wants them to be aware and wants them to be encouraged and wants them to be able to identify false teachings within the church. Peter is so devoted to Jesus and the truth that Jesus had taught him that he encourages all of us today to be aware and to be on guard for these false teachers and to trust the truth of Jesus' teachings. So when we look in the beginning of this letter, Peter, much like his first, he opens up by announcing that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ. We see that in the first letter. We see that again in this letter. And what he is stating is that he is a messenger of Jesus Christ. But he's not just a messenger. He didn't just one day decide, I'm going to go and I'm going to share this message. But he was a messenger that was chosen by Jesus Christ. That's what the apostle was. Was someone who was chosen by Christ who walked and lived with Christ and who sent who went out to share a message of Jesus Christ and I want to tell you while there are men today and there are women today who've been called by God to carry the message the only apostles were in this day and they're not today people want titles they want to carry them around and I want to tell you they may be a preacher they may be a pastor but there are no apostles walking the world today Uh, That's not my notes. I shouldn't have said that, should I? Well, it needed to get off of my chest. Uh, As we look in this passage, what we find is, is Peter is not only sharing that he is an apostle, but he's stating something unique in this letter that he doesn't share in the first letter. And that is that he's a bondservant. Now, he doesn't state that in the opening of the first letter. He states it throughout the letter. But here in this, he opens up with this Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. What he is saying to us here is that he is not only a messenger of Christ, but he is a slave to Jesus Christ. In other words, he has given his full devotion. He informs us that, that he is entirely at the disposal of Jesus Christ, his master. Oh, I wonder just how different our lives would be if we were entirely at the disposal of Jesus Christ, if we were entirely at the disposal of our master. How different would our church look if every professed Christian of the church would would make themselves entirely at his disposal, entirely at the disposal of the master of the church. Oh, I, 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 I would suggest that we'd never have anyone w- without a position within the church. I suggest that we would never be divided on any sort of issue. Every one, every woman, man, child would serve in his or her proper place. Men would serve as the scripture says that he should. Women would serve as the scripture says that she should. We would be totally in order with the scriptures and everything that we've done would be done through prayer and supplication. But folks, that's precisely how it should be. Oh, why did you get quiet? I'm not here to beat you up. (laughs) We're gonna encourage us today. But I, I want us to know that's exactly how it should be. Folks, the devotion that we should have as born-again believers, all our devotion, all our total commitment, all we should just surrender it to Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 6 19 and 20 helps us to understand why we should be so devoted to Him. Why? Because or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? God himself is residing in us. That right there is enough for us to devote all our lives, all our devotion to him. Amen. But he goes further. and says, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your bodies and in your spirit, which are God's. In other words, we don't even belong to ourselves. We belong to him. Amen because we are his slave we are his possession then all our devotion should be to him those of us who've received Jesus as our personal savior we we don't belong to ourselves listen your life is not your own my life is not my own you know what we'll say well I chose the profession that I'm in no you didn't God chose it for you and I want you to know he chose mine for me I didn't choose this This wasn't on my agenda when I started college. It wasn't on my agenda when I built my house. It wasn't on my agenda when I started my family. It was God's agenda and God brought me into this. Peter tells us that because we belong to him, (laughs) he should have our full devotion. So when we look in this passage I want us to notice three things that help us to understand why Jesus is worthy of our devotion. The first thing is that Jesus is worthy. He is worthy of our devotion because we have obtained a precious faith. It's right there in the text. Now I'm, you know I'm not I'm not creative. I didn't think this up. It's right here. Verse 1. He says, To those who have obtained like precious faith, we've obtained a precious faith. Now, that means a lot of things, and there are a lot of things that make our faith precious, but there are a couple of things I want to share with us. First, our faith in Jesus Christ is precious because it's faith in the Messiah, it's faith in the Anointed One, it's faith in the Christ, it's faith in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is God's only begotten Son, He is our risen Savior, and our faith in Him is a faith that He gave us to have in Him. And therefore, it's precious. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three record Jesus asking the disciples, who do men say that he is? And their response to him is, some say that you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say the prophets. But then Jesus asked Peter, but who do you say that I am? In Matthew's gospel, chapter 16 and verse 16, he, Peter says that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And having faith to know that, because Jesus says, flesh and blood has not given, revealed this to you, but only my father in heaven. And I want us to know that if we understand and our faith is in him, it's in the Messiah, the one that was prophesied. The one that God said would come and rescue us and redeem us and reconcile us back to God. We, it is a precious faith simply because it's in Jesus Christ but it's not just that I want us to also understand that it's precious because it's it's obtained it's not earned <laughs> Oh, you're not with me, are you? We can't do anything to earn this faith. We can't do anything to gain it on our own. This is a faith that is given to us because we simply don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing we have done and nothing we could ever do that would cause us to deserve this faith. It is something that God just gave us because he simply loves us. And you here today who don't know Jesus is your Savior, I want you to know he loves you so much he's given you a measure of faith that you could believe in who he is people say well I'm atheist you're atheist because you chose to be atheist you ain't atheist for any other reason because God gave every atheist an amount of faith a measure of faith enough faith the word they can't believe we this isn't something we can earn it's only obtained And it's only attained through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God is holy. He's righteous. He's perfect. And we who are flesh and blood, we're flawed and we're imperfect. And we cannot stand in the presence of a perfect God because he... He, in his perfection, can't look upon sin. And I'm so glad of that. He don't see me in my sin. Instead, he sees me through the precious blood of his son, the righteousness of his son. And he doesn't see me for who I am. He sees me for who he's making me to be. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he cried out to his father as the weight of the sin of the world was upon him. In Mark 15 and 34, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God had to turn his back upon the sin of the world. Now he never turned his back on his son, but he turned his back upon the sin of the world. He can't look upon it. And Jesus took on our own righteousness. He nailed it to the cross of Calvary. And when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, he places his righteousness, his blood. It covers us. He places it upon us so that we can enter into the presence of God. You know, we don't have to go to a building and talk to a priest to enter into the holy of holies. No, we can just fall down on our knees wherever we're at. Or we can be talking to God, whether it's in a vehicle, whether it's on our job. It doesn't matter if we're on an assembly line or at a desk. we begin talking to God and his Holy Spirit begins to interpret our prayers to God, we're in the midst of the holy of holies and we're in the presence of God. Yes, Jesus took our unrighteousness, gave us his righteousness and our precious faith. It grows in knowledge and understanding of God and his son as he multiplies his grace and his peace upon us. you you understand what I mean it wasn't until you experienced his grace that you experienced peace and the further we go in this life the more grace that we experience the more peace we experience that's why you'll see people who are born again and who who are really committed and devoted to God and give their life to him that you rarely find them when they're upset there are folks that they're Christians that every time you look at them they look like they're mad at the world but then there are Christians who's, who's been walking with God in close connection with God and when you see them they look like they're happy all the time it's because they're growing in knowledge and understanding of who god is and who they were and who god is making them to be and they're filled with full of grace and peace yes the bible tells us here it's multiplied it's multiplied in us john wesley said give me a hundred men who love nothing but god and hate nothing but sin and i'll shake the world for christ you know it doesn't take many But it does take those who've decided to be fully devoted to him. When we come to know Jesus fully and personally as our Lord and Savior, and we come to understand that Jesus gave, he has given all that he is and all that he has to you and I, how can we say, or how can we not say, how can we dare not say that he's worthy? He's worthy of our devotion how can we not surrender totally to him when he has surrendered totally to us our faith in jesus is a precious faith and it for it was through faith and it's only through faith that we will surrender our lives to him it's only then that we will come to know and to experience him in the overflow of his grace and peace folks i want to tell you he jesus he's worthy Of our devotion. He's worthy of our devotion because we've obtained a precious faith. But He's also worthy of our devotion because we've been given a divine power. Jesus' divine power gives us everything we need to live. Now, what we must do, (laughs) we must accept and we must admit that we can't control our lives. We can't control what we can't give ourselves and you can't give yourself life you can fix you can try to fix that any way you want but you are not able to give yourself life as a matter of fact we had nothing to do with our lives we had nothing to do with being born as a matter of fact let's go a little further our parents were just channels for us to come into this world us being born into this world was not their doing it was God's doing we only became a living soul when God breathed life into us Genesis 2 and 7 says "And the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden their sin nature was passed down to all of us to every man every woman every boy and every girl so mamas understand that precious little baby that beautiful gift of god it's still born in sin and shaped in iniquity because of what adam done in the garden you know we want to say well wait 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 wait, wait, preacher wait wait no Mom and dad had more to do with it than just channeling us. No. No. We can get upset about when our daughters get pregnant, but you better believe it was God that shaped and formed that child. It may not have been the ideal circumstance, but it was God at work. We're just channels. Ideally, A child won't be channeled into this world until a mom and dad are married, ideally. But folks, y'all know we don't live in an ideal world. We live in a real world. God is black and God is white. We are gray. We're messing things up. And that's what we do. So before we point a finger at a child who has a child, we better look in our own closets, hadn't we? We better notice that, that nobody's done anything any worse than we've done. Because as God looks at it, gossip is as bad as it gets. You can't get much worse than gossip, backbiting, sowing discord, making trouble. So we best be careful. Now let, let me get back to this. I don't know why I had to say that. But... But here really when we look at this that's all parents are a channel because of what Adam and Eve done in the garden because of because we have a sin nature all we know is death death is what's really a part of us not life not from when we're born. When we're born, death is who we are. It's because of the sin nature that we experience sickness. We experience disease, accidents, trouble, strife, pain. We live in a fallen world and fallen flesh and death is a part of who we are. And if death is a part of who we are, we have to ask the question, where can we find life? Well, we find life in Jesus Christ. Jesus was born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he has no sin nature. He has a perfect nature. And in that, he lived a sinless life. He was he is and he forever will be the perfect sacrifice for all sin and through his death burial and resurrection he conquered death hell in the grave and, and not only that he is the only one who can stop death and he stopped it at his very own and he's the only one that can give life eternally You know what he did? When you got saved, he stopped death right there. (laughs) When you got saved, when you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he stopped death. You won't leave. You won't die. The Bible says you'll go to sleep and you'll leave this world and enter into the presence of God. Because he's gave you life and life more abundantly. He's the only place where we can find life. We find life now and we find life eternally. And in order for us to receive eternal life, we must know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We must surrender our lives to him. And when we surrender our lives to him and make him our Lord, he receives our devotion. C.S. Lewis once said, full acting out of self-surrender to God, therefore demands pain. His action to be perfect must be done from the pure will to obey, in the absence or in the teeth of inclination. Jesus' examples exactly what he said. We see the life of Jesus. Jesus' full life was a full surrender to God, and it cost him. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the very Son of God, left, left a place where the seraphim sang holy, holy, holy day and night to be, born in a, to be born of a woman, born in a stable, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a feeding trough. He was rejected, he was beaten, he was nailed to an old rugged cross. Jesus is in a full surrender. It cost him pain. It cost him suffering. It cost him separation. And it will cost us if we serve him. It cost him his very life. But thanks be to God, he had the power to defeat hell. He had the power to defeat death. He had the power to defeat the grave. He rose up victoriously. And now he offers that same power for life to you and I. If it costs Jesus his life to give us eternal life, it's going to cost us to live our lives for him. Matthew 10, 38 through 39, Jesus says, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Folks, (laughs) All we can provide for ourselves is death. But if we want life, Jesus has it all. And he desires to give it to us while salvation is free it will cost us our lives we can't receive salvation and continue to live as we please and think that god's obligated to bless us I, I have trouble with those and we as a baptist church we don't teach i want to tell you our association don't teach that you can be saved and live any kind of way and be right with god we teach and we preach the scriptures and the scriptures teaches us that if we've been saved if we've been blood washed born again that we don't have a desire to live our way We have a desire to live his way. We may struggle in this life. We may have troubles and trials. We may be tempted on all sides, but we want to live for him. There's something raised up within us that will cause us to desire to live for him. He doesn't need us. We need him. And in order to fully experience his divine power, it's going to cost us. When we must surrender to His will in our lives. And when we do, we will be rejected. We will be laughed at. We will be called arrogant. We'll be called intolerant, misguided. We may even be called fools. The Bible teaches us that, that the scriptures, to believe the scriptures, to have faith in them is foolishness to the world. It will cost us sleep, it will cost us food, it will cost us so called friends. It will also cost us opportunities in this world. But we can rest assured that we've been given his divine power. And we can know that we know that we've been born again. And if we've been born again, we get to rest in all his promises. Yes, Jesus. (laughs) He's worthy of our devotion. He's worthy of our devotion because we have obtained a precious faith. And as verse 3 tells us, he's given us his divine power. And last, I want us to really catch this, that he is worthy of our devotion because we have been given his promises. You see that right there in verse 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great, and precious promises he's been he's given us his promises and what we've been promised is a new nature and those of us who've been born again, we have received a new nature. That's why there's a war within us. When you were in sin, you've done what you wanted to in sin. You weren't tempted by it. You weren't struggling with it. You just chose to do it, and you've done it. And now that you're saved, when you you'll become tempted, there, there are things the old nature wants to do, but the new nature is there, and he, he's telling you, no, you don't want to do that. That's not good for you. That's only going to harm you. And the old nature is saying, yeah, but you'll feel good. And the old new nature is saying, just for a moment, there's pleasure in sin for a season. But soon there's destruction. He's letting us know that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And when we find it's greener, there's a sedentary tank to fall under it. I want us to understand that that here we have a nature here that that God has promised us and it's different than that old nature when we exercise our faith in Jesus Christ and we receive him as our Lord and Savior, God quickens his Holy Spirit to dwell within us and God places within our hearts his divine nature and makes us a new creation. You know, we we can wonder all we want. How is it that we're made new? He makes us new. We don't get new. (laughs) We don't change. He just makes us new. We're no longer the same. As a matter of fact, Second Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Oh, go talk to someone who just got saved. We celebrated last week. I bet if you'll talk to Brother Ronald Delta, he'll tell you things look a lot different today than they did a couple weeks ago. Things just seem to be a lot different. I remember when I gave my life to Christ, that it, when I walked out the doors, the sun sh- shined brighter. When I looked at my wife, I saw someone I had never seen before. When I looked at my daughter, I saw a child that, that I saw responsibility in a different way for. When I looked at my parents, I saw someone who loved me in a different way and who I Love back because of what they'd given me, and God had revealed everything to me differently than what I'd seen before. Oops, surrendering our lives to Jesus is to live as Christ, and when we live in full surrender, we can know that to die is gain. How do we know this? The Bible teaches us that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And if he's gone to prepare a place for us, he will come again and receive us unto himself. The Bible teaches us that if we die in the Lord, we will pass from this life into eternal life. Oh, what great promises he's given us throughout his scriptures. Some scholar says that if you go through the scriptures, you'll find over 7,000 Promises. Now, I haven't read through to point out every promise, but some scholars say that there's over 7,000 in the scriptures. And folks, we have every promise, and we can rest in them. One stormy night, an elderly couple entered into the lobby of a small hotel. They asked for a room. The clerk said that they were... Four, and they would probably find it was the same way in all the hotels in town. Brother Ronald, you can come and begin to play. The clerk said, but I can't send a fine couple like you out in the rain. Would you be willing to sleep in, in my room? The couple hesitated, but the clerk insisted. He sacrificed his own room for this couple. He surrendered his own room to this couple. The next morning the man came out and he paid his bill and he said, you're the kind of person who should be managing the best hotel in the United States. And someday I'm gonna build it and I'll build it for you to manage. The clerk, he just smiled politely probably thinking what you and I would think. This old man, he's just talking. A few years later, the clerk received a letter containing an airplane ticket. And the letter invited him to visit New York. When the clerk arrived, his host took him to the corner of 5th Avenue and 34th Street. There stood a magnificent new building. Then the old man appeared, and he explained to him, this hotel I've built for you to manage. That man was William Waldorf Astor. And the hotel was the original Waldorf Astoria the finest hotel in America. Royalty resided in that hotel. Folks, this hotel clerk surrendered himself in his room to an elderly couple and he came blessed beyond his imagination. (laughs) I stand on the promise of God's holy word if we surrender ourselves to Jesus, devote our lives to him, give ourselves over to his will, we'll receive all the promises that his word provides. Amen. Folks, Jesus is worthy of our devotion. This man was blessed with a, not, a wonderful hotel to manage God's promised us a mansion not made by man but made by the hand of God a place where we'll never know sorrow we'll never know crying there'll be no more dying a place where it'll be joy forevermore We hope you've enjoyed the message today. And if you happen to not have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's as simple as the ABCs. If you would admit that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a Savior and believe that God sent His very Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins, And that he died for our sins and he arose on the third day. And then if you would confess him as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved. You must believe this with all your heart and you must be willing to serve him. If you are, all you have to do is talk with Jesus. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a church to get saved. But if you get saved, find yourself a Bible-believing church. And I believe God will richly bless you.